Do you ever wish you could do your life over and over again until you got it just right? And have there been any moments in your life that you perhaps wish didn't happen, but were pivotal for you? And is it really possible to learn the important lessons in life without having to go through the really difficult stuff? Welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog, our special Christmas episode. And yes, it's the self-help book group again with Dr. Nick Kendrew, fellow podcaster, GP and all-round wise guy, where we talk about a couple of books that have helped us enormously and share them with you. We can all do with a little encouragement right now. So listen to find out the difference between heights of happiness and depth of happiness how even the smallest of our experiences may shape us and the really small things that can make a huge difference to your happiness levels. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high-stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices. Stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog, and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. So hello and welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog. And this week is our very special Christmas edition. And I'm really pleased to have with me back again and again and again, uh, (laughs) Dr. Nick Kendrew for our uh, Christmas self-help book club edition. Nick, welcome. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me back. That's very exciting. <laughs> oh, it's always it's always a pleasure to have you on, Nick. Um, just for oh. those people that don't know who Nick is, Nick, why don't you just introduce yourself? Well, hi, I'm Nick Kendrew. I'm a GP down in Kent and I also passionate about the media. So I have my own podcast called Boggled Docs, where we basically look at what's going on in the medical media. And we use that as a springboard for you to target your CPD, because basically I've seen a few shows in years gone by thinking, my goodness, if one of my patients has been watching that, they could come in tomorrow and want to talk about this topic. I need to know all about it. And so basically it's trying to fill that gap. And so that's what I do on the podcast. And I also am a presenter uh, for Red Whale, the GP update company. Yeah. And you're a GP partner as well. That's right. Yes. 
So very varied career. And Boggle Talks is is really great. I'd really recommend people have a listen. We're going to be talking about books today. And I think books, someone described to me, these books are, they're the best value you can ever get, right? Because you can buy all these online courses and (laughs) my own online course, which, which people can buy about how to be happy at work and beat stress and thrive. But a book generally contains everything that someone knows. And it costs around, what, 15 quid, 12 quid? Yeah. So an awful lot of information for not very much money. And there's something different, isn't there, about reading a book as to to watching something on a screen mm. that I think can be really powerful and often sort of stays stays with you longer, which is one of the reasons why I started this sort of help help book club with you, because, well, we both love reading these different things. And um, my husband goes on at me all the time about all these self-help books that I read, but, but genuinely they've been my education and they've helped me so much. So I thought, let's do this regularly with you and let's talk about some things that could be helpful for people that are listening that may be going through a hard time or thinking, how can I change things to mean I'm going to thrive more in my workplace? Um, and this, of course, is a, the Christmas edition of You Are Not a Frog. Nick, what have you been reading recently? So I have been reading uh, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. So this is a, a fiction book. Now, Matt Haig is, I can't recommend him highly enough. He's brilliant. Uh, he's just the most amazing author. Um, and he does nonfiction and fiction books. And I first came across him when I read his book, Reasons to Stay Alive. Um, so he's somebody that suffered from depression and he's actually been suicidal in the past. And that's why his book, Reasons to Stay Alive, is so powerful because um, he's really very much speaking from the heart. So if you imagine that he's written that in the past, so now he's written this book and it's come out in the last couple of months, The Midnight Library. So basically on the back cover, it says, between life and death, there is a library, she said. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived to see how things would have been if you'd made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? Which is quite profound and quite well, draws you in, doesn't it? Um, and so yeah. if you imagine that he's, he's written this book from the perspective of, of somebody that has had and does suffer from mental illness and has been so low that he's felt suicidal. The characters in this book have got so much depth to them because of that. And the main character um, is, is a female character called Nora. And he, he is told from her perspective. And she is, when we, when we meet her, she's in a life that isn't what she'd wanted. Um, and it becomes clear that there were several points in her life where she made choices that were different to what she maybe had hoped for. And so therefore she finds herself in a place that isn't happy. And it's difficult to talk about it too much without giving away too many spoilers. But basically, let's just say that she ends up in this library, which is between life and death. Um, and so she then has to decide and she gets offered all these different choices of different um, lives that she could have lived and basically you stay in these lives until you become disappointed and then you drop back out and go back to the library and then you have another chat and decide about which one you want to see next and it's about the right question because to start with she's asking about um, I want to see the life where I do this or where I do that but she's early on she's not saying I want to see the life where I'm happy which is quite telling And so she goes to some lives where on paper she should be the most happy that you could possibly be. And there's one um, where she dips into herself when she's this Olympic gold medal winning swimmer. 
who's going doing the circuit and giving all these kind of corporate talks and you know life affirming talks and life coaching and all that kind of stuff and so that's the life that she thought she would be really happy in but actually when she gets there and lives it it's not quite as amazing as she thought so i just think it's a really interesting angle to look at and when you think about um you know the the the, the year that we've all had you do get a bit reflective and think about oh i wonder how things could be different but i think often it's about accepting what you have and appreciating what you have. And if you're not happy with something, it's about trying to find a way to to move forward from where you are. But there's just so many beautiful bits that are written in in, in the book. And there's there's one bit that really struck me because as we all know, you know, human beings are human beings. We're imperfect. And it's about, there's a sequence which I'll just read out, um, which is basically just saying how we can accept other people and ourselves as imperfect. And I've never seen it kind of written quite like this, but I think this is just beautifully done. So here we go. It just says, a person was like a city. You couldn't let a few less desirable parts put you off the whole. There may be bits that you don't like, a few dodgy side streets and suburbs, but the good stuff makes it worthwhile. Um, so I think it's worthwhile thinking about yourself as a city and maybe people close to you too, because we're all, we've all got dodgy side streets and and bits and pieces like that, haven't we? But, but hopefully the bigger picture is that it gives you a a feeling of being a a good thing. So which city are you, Rachel? Uh, (laughs) Just thinking, I love the quote, we've all got dodgy side streets. I think that's, it's such an important thing because we do look back on life and think, oh, if only this, if only that, Mm. if only we hadn't got the coronavirus pandemic. If only I had made that choice or that thing hadn't happened or, and life is what it is. And it's made of, of the ups and downs. And I remember reading, you know, people that have been through really traumatic experiences, often when they look back, they say that even though it was tough, they wouldn't change it. I mean, some people say, yeah, they absolutely would change it. But there's something that happens and there's character building and there's resilience building that happens to us as we go through life. And unfortunately, nice experiences and nice things don't make you happy in the long run. And you can, I think you can see that quite well when you look at all the celebrity reality TV shows where they can buy as many nice experiences and things as, as they want to. But there's a lot of research and positive psychology that says that the, the pleasant life and pleasant experiences can only get you so far. And actually, it's it's stuff that gives you meaning and purpose and all that sort of thing, that means that you are going to be much, much happier in life. And I guess happiness is a a funny metric to measure things by anyway, isn't it? Mm. What does happiness mean? What's going to make us happy? I one of the the, the books I, I've got I was going to talk about is is this book called Happier by Tal Ben Shahar. And he's the the chap who sort of created the pretty much the most popular course at Harvard University, all about how to be happy. And he talks about happiness as the ultimate currency, but it comes with a caveat. You have to be careful because it's stuff that gives you meaning and purpose and satisfaction not stuff that makes you feel good necessarily. Exactly. I I think I've often heard people say that we, where we're going wrong is that we think of happiness as a destination, but it's actually, it's everything that happens along the way to that. That's the most important stuff. And also happiness is something 
that isn't permanent comes and goes, doesn't it? And it's it's the things that make you feel good in yourself and feel content with where you are, which are more important. But if you're looking for one thing that's going to make you happy, then that's where we kind of come unstuck, I think. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in the, in the Tal Ben-Shahar book, he talks about the height and the depth of happiness. So if you sort of think about happiness as being you know, a graph that goes on. Sometimes you have these sort of peaks where you have these happy experiences where you're feeling really happy. So these are the sort of peaks and the troughs, but then you have the the depth of happiness, which is nothing to do with what is going on with the positive emotions you might, it's, you might be experiencing. It's all about, well, some of it can be genetic. Some of it can be actually how we're hardwired to experience the world, but some of it can be about the things that we've put around us, like the deep connections that we have and the purpose that we have in life and all that sort of stuff that gives you this sort of baseline level of happiness, which actually we can do things to change, but it's not dependent on feelings and it's not dependent necessarily on circumstances. I remember seeing a, I don't know if it's on Netflix still, it was a documentary called Happy and it was a sort of an hour long and these researchers had gone to various different places in the world. And I remember saying they were interviewing this rickshaw driver who lived in slums um, just outside New Delhi, I think. And he had five kids. Um, they were really, really poor, very hand to mouth living. He made made his living as a rickshaw driver. I think the kids were in school, but but life was tough and they just lived in this shack. And they said, the researchers said that this chap has the same level of happiness as the average American. Wow. Who has, you know, five times the income or whatever. It just brought home to me that happiness is nothing. It's nothing about material possessions and it's nothing about money. I know that you do need a a set amount of income to to live. And and if you are struggling with money, that can be a cause of, of reduced happiness. But I don't know. There's so much more. And if we come back to that book that you're talking about, The Midnight Library, we we sometimes look back and think, if only that, I'd be happier. If only that had happened, I'd be happier. If only that had happened. Not realising that some of these things, even though they might have been negative and difficult at the moment, have shaped how we are and might actually have contributed to that, that deeper level of happiness that we've got because they made us re-examine life and look at things and do things differently. I completely agree. And I think often it's a case of of looking at the bigger picture. And if you kind of put too, as we were saying before, if you put too much on one thing, then that, that puts almost too much pressure on the situation. And, and it's about being content where you are, but also looking at the learning of how you've got to where you are. Because even every knockback that you have, every time somebody says no, if that then makes you think, actually, but I still believe that I want to do this. And it finds you a different way of, of doing it in a different path. And that's a positive thing too, isn't it? And I'm thinking about, so, you know, all these different paths and bits and pieces. So when I was at, at medical school, I had a few interviews for some quite exciting media jobs because um, I've always been interested in the media as well as, as medicine. And one of them was a, a high profile job, which would have been on kids TV. And I got pretty close to it, um, but I didn't get the job. And you always think, I wonder what would have happened if, and and I remember watching the the presenter that got the job and and you know what watching their career basically and they've done really well and it's really lovely to see and you kind of think I wonder what would have happened and it's funny how ripples happen too because so I had the interview for that job 
which was blue pizza, I should say. But anyway, <laughs> playing the colours close to my chest. But yeah, so I had that interview before I went to on my elective and it changed my mindset. When I didn't get it, I was I was sad for a bit. But I remember thinking, do you know what? I, I don't need Blue Peter to, to do all these exciting things. I'm going to go and going to go white water rafting. I'm going to go bungee jumping because I was off to Australia. I'm going to, you know, do this amazing sort of elective expedition kind of thing. So I had all these plans and I was kind of like, you know, thinking I don't need that. And it completely changed my life because we went white water rafting and I was with a group of friends and we talked about it. And we went, we were up in, um, in Cairns, um, up in Queensland and we, unbeknown to us, we went on the day of a cyclone as it was about to hit and it was Cyclone Rona. So it was back in 1999 and it just went horribly wrong. And it just shows how life can change in a split second. Mm. And one minute we were in the boat um, and our guide, a very surfy chap, Australian guy called, I think he was called Shane, I can't remember now. But he literally said, okay, guys, I need to tell you this now. The river is three metres higher than it normally would be. So I'm literally no use to you as a guide anymore. And the next thing I heard was him just screaming at the top of his voice, the F word, as we then got flipped out of the boat and sucked under. Oh, my word. And it was, you know, it happened so quickly. I remember being under the water and looking up and my foot was stuck between two rocks. And I remember looking (gasps) up and thinking, this is how it happens. This is how I die. And all I could think of was that my parents were asleep because it was obviously the time zone. And, and I thought I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And then my foot became free and I got out of the water, as in my head went above the water. And what you don't realise in these kind of situations, you have to, and it's really obvious to say now, but you have to exhale before you inhale. And I'd exhale, I'd inhale. So my lungs were full and I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I couldn't, and I forgot to exhale. And I managed to get a little bit out and a little bit in but then I got sucked under again and there was this cycle for a bit where I couldn't get my breath. And, and then I got sort of washed up onto the side. Um, and it was really quite scary. And, and my friends were missing for a while and luckily nobody was badly hurt from our group, but there were people who, who died in the accident, mm. um, which was just terrifying, which we found out later. And, and I got leptospirosis from it. And I remember a few days later, I was having a shave in the morning and I just have this torrential nosebleed and thought, Oh God, I must have banged my nose in the, in the accident. Um, oh well. And what I didn't realize was that my clotting was going off and that day, which I wouldn't have done if I didn't realize because of the whole blue Peter thing, I, I went for a bungee jump because that's what I was doing. I was determined to, to keep this thing going. And I had a torrential nosebleed during the bungee jump. And um, thank goodness I didn't have any kind of weakness you know any kind of aneurysm in my head because that would have not been brilliant at that point in time um but after that in hospital very unwell because we went to thailand next and um so i was in a thai hospital with delirious terrible high fevers i went i went jaundiced um hematuria everything was failing and all my hair fell out um within a week or two weeks and so that experience was hugely kind of life-changing for me because suddenly it put everything in perspective when you came that close to something dreadful happening to yourself and to your friends and it makes you realize how how fragile life is and it makes you realize how sometimes the exciting jobs and the really amazing things are great but it's the the small things and it's the friendships and it's everything Mm -hmm. else that counts for, for more and it's those those connections with your friends um that's what gets you through those kind of things and 
and I had all, all of that was just before my final. So goodness knows how I passed my finals. I remember when I got back to the UK, I was back on the wards and they put, and this was back in the days of x-rays and, and x-ray boxes. And they put this x-ray up and said, oh, tell me about that. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't even see it. And I'd had, um, because of the leptospirosis, I ended up with anterior uveitis. So I couldn't see properly and everything had a halo about it. Um, so, so then they kind of said to me, I think you need a bit of time off. <laughs> so I did. And yeah, so, you know, and that would have been, so in a way, when I was reading the Midnight Library, I was thinking, oh, I wonder what would have happened my, that life with, with uh, a high profile to, um, presenting job, what would that have ended up like? And what's very telling about the book is that, that actually, yes, things like that might change, but actually fundamentally so much stays the same too. So you need to have the building blocks correct and right um, so that you can sort of build from that. I get it. You'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Yeah, because you things could have been completely different, but actually bottom line, if you're the sort of person that's a real perfectionist who's really uh, worried about things all the time, wh- whether things are going right or not, that's still going to affect your level of happiness and satisfaction. It, it's so not really dependent on circumstances. Mm. It's dependent on your own resilience, coping mechanisms, your own beliefs, your what sort of meaning purpose you derive in life, all those all those sorts of things. But these experiences, these things that we badge as negative experiences, often have a profoundly positive effect on us and effect on our lives. Exactly. And I think for me, it gave me, that experience gave me this kind of, this hunger for following my dream still. And I mean, my dream's always been to be, on the one hand, it's been two dreams, to, to be a good doctor and to, to be a good GP. And, and to, to follow this media stuff, because for all the reasons we've talked about, I find me, the media so interesting and so powerful because it's such an opportunity to, if you get it right, you can tell stories and you can do medical education and get messages out there that are so important. And that's what excites me and what interests me about it. And so I've always, whenever I've been doing stuff, I've always in the background been doing sort of media stuff and, and I, you know, I've done some stuff on um, sort of in the background and um, sort of some pilot shows for radios and uh, radio stations sometimes. And I've done sort of science programs for schools and colleges and lots of different bits and pieces that have just been enough to keep it ticking over. And it's just the fact that because when you really want to do something, you will just keep going. And, and that's kind of what I've done. And so that's in a way the podcast that I'm doing now is me scratching an itch and also all the, the different presenting stuff with red whale as well, particularly the, the video stuff that we've been doing recently has been scratching a huge creative itch because I love the visual medium of television um, in one way, but I also love the the intimate medium of, of, of podcasting and radio because it's a different way of, of communicating with an audience. Um, and, 
you know, what we're doing now is a much more intimate way of, of speaking because we're literally just in people's ears at the moment. Um, whereas when you get do, do visual stuff, it's it's kind of you've got to think much bigger and try and it's much more expensive and it takes a lot more time to get on something on screen. So so audio stuff is much more um, immediate too. And that's what I love about the audio side of it. But but with the, the the TV side of it, it's just when you work with a big team and you 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 know you do exciting stuff and green screen and all sorts of special effects and things. That's really exciting and fun too. And and I, I think for me, it's about trying to have fun, but use that in a way of communicating stuff that's important. And and you know you know fun learning is is the for me it's the holy grail. If you can can do a bit of teaching or something like that and people don't realize that you've even taught them anything. I think that's amazing. Um, and that really excites me. So that's something I'm kind of keen on too. I think what's interesting for me in your story, Nick, is that actually you can find satisfaction and happiness without having to be like mega famous or mm. doing it, doing it all the time. So yeah, it would have been really great if you'd have got to be a Peter presenter, <laughs> but I'm just wondering actually, would you have derived masses amounts of more satisfaction from doing that than actually doing what you're you're doing now which is again really high quality really good I think some of us feel that we have to be doing something in on a, on a big scale to derive the pleasure and satisfaction I'll give you an example you know I I love music um I used to be in a band when I was 18 I, I wasn't much good <laughs> and now I don't really do any because yeah. I haven't really got anywhere to perform yeah and that's ridiculous when I'm thinking about it. I could just sit down and play piano and sing whatever for myself. It doesn't need to be something that I'm really successful at. It's doing something for the sake of doing it because you love it, not because of what accolades you're going to get from it. I think that's quite important. Exactly. And I think it's a, it is about being kind to yourself as well, because if that's a creative outlet, then it's a really important one to do. So, so maybe it could be your Christmas present to yourself that you could, you know, play the piano every now and again or something that's really going to help help with that hmm. what, what do you think <laughs> I think yeah no I, I I do think that's on my list of things to do actually and that you know anything creative gets you into flow doesn't it which is another big way of being happier um this state known as flow where time stands still you're probably learning a new skill or something like that and you're completely lost in the moment and you're really enjoying yourself exactly and and I it's funny what you were saying about um you know, would I have been happy if I'd done a big, a big TV job or something? And, and I, I think you're absolutely right. There's no guarantee I would have been. And, and in a way what I'm doing at the moment is, is for me the best thing because I am involved in every stage of the production process. And if you are in a, in a big job, you literally just do the presenting bit and you're not involved in what getting stuff on screen and thinking about, you know, things like script writing and camera angles and, and directing and, and all the different bits and pieces, which is what, the whole process excites me um, and the fact that I have a control over that and, and with the podcast, it's that's me. That's, you know, that's what I, I make those decisions. I, I, you know, chat to people that are lovely to talk to um, and, and I, I will listen to it before it goes out. And that's my decision about what goes out. Whereas if you're working for a big organization, then, then that is taken away from you and, and there's a level above you or, you know, that will, in some way influence what goes out. So, so, you know, there's a lot to be said for, 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 for doing stuff yourself and, and, and then that you've got more control over it. Um, and I've always said that for me, I would much rather be making really high quality stuff um, and either on TV or radio and doing it um, and enjoying it and having fun doing it um, with very few listeners because 
then you get all the the the, the, the fun bit and the creative stuff but you don't get any of the the negative stuff perhaps because you know the more that people um see you the more you're open to criticism <laughs> which terrifies me um so <laughs> so maybe i'm just scared of the whole thing really what am i doing <laughs> i think fear does hold us back a bit as well i think maybe that's where some people's perfectionism comes from doesn't it because all, all the advice i've read recently about how to do a business how to do this how to do that is just you know just jfdi just flip and do it just put something out there you know it, it might be a podcast it might be a going live on a video on social media or just try try some teaching try this you know everything i've ever done <laughs> was a first mm. and the first time I did it, it was pretty rubbish. It was pretty terrible. Um, you know, even with the podcast, that everything was a first. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm getting better at podcasting since I started. But it's all a learning experience. And if you're too frightened to try stuff out and try to learn from your errors, because it has to be perfect when it goes out, then, then often you just stop yourself doing anything. Exactly. And I think that's one of my big things as well. I'm, I'm quite a perfectionist and I you know, with, with my podcast, I was desperately trying to think, oh, how can it be perfect? And I did two pilot episodes, which I really enjoyed doing. And you kindly helped me do one, which is lovely. Thank you. Um, and, and, but then I was like, okay, how can I make this perfect having done that? And, and then I just said to myself, do you know what, if you, if you wait for this to be perfect, this is never going to happen. Um, so I just thought, okay, I'm going to set a date and I'm going to do it and it's just going to happen and we'll see what happens. And you'll learn from doing it and actually putting it out there. And and that's what I did, and and luckily I've had some some very lovely feedback, um, and and it, but it is literally the case of just do it because you, you can wait forever for things to be exactly the right place. And I even because you know I was thinking oh I'm a bit too busy, and I got such cold feet the week before I was going to do my first one. I was like oh this is what am I doing? This is ridiculous. Why am I even doing a podcast? You're mad to do this. Um, and then I just I just thought but actually I need to do this when I'm at my busiest, because I need to make it fit around my schedule. Mm -hmm. Because if I think, okay, I'm going to wait till I'm on annual leave and I'm going to put a whole week aside to do this podcast, then that's unsustainable because I can't be off work forever. So it needs to fit around what I'm doing already. And that's, that's what I've done. And that seems to be working. Fingers crossed at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. We wait till things are going to be perfect and we wait till we've got time to do them. Mm -hmm. And in my experience as a, you know, busy professional that time never comes literally it will never come if you wait until you've got time so you need to get on and do the stuff even if you feel you've not got time now there's a caveat here because one of the the things I talk about a lot in terms of resilience and stuff is is not waiting uh you know not adding more stuff into your life when you don't have time for it so if you really want to do something add it in but then get rid of of something else you know get yeah. rid of the fluff get rid of the stuff that's not contributing to your life or making you happy or you're just doing because you feel that you ought to do it and you know and experiment and get stuff out there we're almost out of time I just wanted to ask a question because and it's something that I've been wondering about for a while Okay. I have a few friends who've had sort of serious life-threatening illnesses, um, sort of breast cancer and other things. Um, you've just told me about your story about you know nearly dying in in that river, all of which had a massive impact on people and made made them change their lives and change the, change the way they did things and really got them focused on what was important in life and what made them happy. Now. I don't want to have a life-threatening illness. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you don't. How do we 
get that mindset without having to go through that, those awful things? How do we do that for ourselves without having to create some great disaster or crisis in our lives? That's a really good question. <laughs> I, I think that, um, and it's for me, cause this happens kind of 20 years ago, 21 years ago now that, um, it, it's important to, for me to revisit it as well, to, to, to remember what I learned because sometimes you, you forget, um, and it's important to, to go back. And, and I think it's really important to be kind, um, because any one of us could not be here tomorrow. And so that's what I always try and be because I would hate. And I remember, cause that happened so quickly like that, and it wasn't expected at all. Um, and I just, as you know, when I was under that water thinking about, and do you know what, it, it, it's true what they say when your, your life does flash in front of you, because I had all these different images of, of me, you know, running around as a toddler and stuff with my brother in the garden and, and stuff, you know, that what on earth was going on there. And it's just, and it was all in slow motion. It's really, really bizarre. And, but I remember thinking, well, thank goodness that I'm on good terms with, with my family, with my parents, with my brother and my sister. Um, because that's important, but also, you know, if you're kind to people, because you never know when you're going to need to, um, call on them, you know, your friends will help you, um, in, in situations. And, and even if it's, you know, if you're doing something like a podcast, you, you, you've met people along the way, you'll have chatted to them. They will come on it if you've been nice to them, but if you're not nice to people, then they're just going to go, do you know what? I'm a bit busy, really. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, and I think as well, it's about having, don't, don't give up on the dreams that you've been following because they're important too. You need to have something to focus on in the future or to, to aim towards. Um, and, and it might be that that changes or it, or it becomes a little bit different to what it was originally, but it's got to be something that you, that you are trying to achieve. Um, and it might just be something straightforward, such as you want to sort of build on the relationship that you've got and, and have more time for your partner and stuff like that. But that's all going to pay dividends in the, in the long run. Um, and yeah, I, 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 does that answer your question? I yeah, I think that's, that's some really good advice. I, I was just thinking, I was reading the, this happier book and towards the end, it's got a sort of little meditation about imagine. And it's got a quote from Mark Twain um, saying, life would be infinitely happier if we could only be born at the age of 80 and gradually approach 18. And wouldn't, you know, wouldn't that be great? And he talks about this sort of psychiatrist who'd been spending a lot of time with terminally ill cancer patients um, and says that, just a quote from the book, an open confrontation with death allows many patients to move into a mode of existence that's richer than the one they experienced prior to their illness because wow. they report dramatic shifts in life perspective. They can trivialize the trivial they assume a sense of control. They basically stop doing things they do not wish to do. Mm. They communicate more openly with families and close friends, and they live entirely in the present rather than in the future or the past. Yeah. And, you know, and then, and then this, this quote at the end of this section says, and over and over we hear our patients say, why did we have to wait until now, till we're riddled with cancer, to learn how to value and appreciate life? Mm. And I think that living in the present is is probably the best advice isn't it because it helps with so many things it it helps if you're going through something awful if you're experiencing a dreadful illness then then if you live in the present you can cope with the few seconds that you're living in um mm -hmm. and and it's a it's a way of kind of reframing things in many ways 
so, and it's, and it, you know, the, the other thing that's, that always rings true is about life experiences that you will regret the things that you didn't do. Um, you know, if you try them and it doesn't work out or you're not happy doing them, that's fine. At least you tried them, but don't, don't not do something because you're scared of not doing it or because you won't find, or you don't think you've got time to do it. Just, just give it a go. And, and that's, that's the best sort of experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Don't wait, try things now, live in the present. Don't worry about the future or the past and, and appreciate those little things that actually are so important. And I think for me, the coronavirus pandemic has brought my attention back to the the little things that are important to me, like my family and like my friends and being outdoors and being fit and all those, all those sorts of things. Um, and, and, you know, connecting upwards and with those things that give my life meaning and purpose. And actually that is the basis of happiness, not, not really what we achieve or how much money we earn or, you know, what we look like or anything like exactly. that. And it's about building memories as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Nick, we're, we're at the end of the episode. Um, gosh, that was <laughs> so much for a sort of ho, 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 lighthearted Christmas episode, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad that we talked about that because, you know, that, that question of how, how do we hold those insights as if, as if we didn't have much time left and, and live life like that, I'm going to keep thinking about actually over the ne- over the next few weeks, and I, I might have an answer for you maybe by the middle of next year. So when I've got the answer, I will share it. <laughs> cool, I look forward to that. <laughs> Do you have any top tips for people just you know over the Christmas period? What they can do to uh, you know to live a bit more like that? Yeah, I think I think you know live in the moment as much as you can. Have some space to yourself too. If you if you need to have a bit of space, it's fine. Just, just, but also share that with who you're with and just say, I just need a little bit of, a bit of me time just for, you know, 10, 20 minutes or so. And maybe, you know, if you need to go and listen to Headspace or something, just to give yourself a little bit of a refresh, then that's fine too. Um, and don't feel guilty about that because, you know, Christmas sometimes in any kind of festival, when you're with family and friends that maybe you don't spend a lot of time with now that, that, you know, when we did, we kids we spent lots of time but now it's kind of more short sharp burst when when you're kind of sort of working and stuff then it's a case of just being honest and just saying you know loving being with you i just need a little bit of time to myself and i'll be back in 20 minutes and i'll be absolutely fine um so it's just just sharing that isn't it really great Good. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on on the podcast with us today. I mean, my my top tips as we're going, probably just to say to people, just if you've got something you want to do, just do it. Put it out there. Don't worry about it being perfect and don't wait until you've got time to do it. My second thing would be start to say no to more stuff that you really don't want to do. You know, yes. life is too short to waste on stuff like that. And appreciate the small things in life that give us pleasure and happiness and connection. Exactly. And uh, yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> the small things are what to focus on. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Nick, it's always been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.